<laughs> That's exactly how I start every recording. I I hit record and then I immediately have to cough <laughs> to get something out of my my throat. This is gross. I don't want to talk about this at the start of the show. <laughs> Hi, Lacey. Hi, Jerry. <laughs> Uh, it feels like we haven't done, like, a regular Hardly Paranormal episode in, like, a month. I mean, likely because you have been doing your research. Yeah. Well, it was, it actually wasn't that long ago. It was, like, a week ago was the last episode. Yeah, we took a little bit of a break. We were gonna do an episode, this episode, last weekend, but we just, we didn't have the drive or the energy. <laughs> <laughs> so we took some time off to kind of recuperate. There's a cat in my mic right now. Oh, no! no. <laughs> Gloom! Sorry. <laughs> Not cool, Gloom. So, uh, we are back. We're doing our 20th episode about the Loch Ness Monster, Nessie. Oh, Nessie. Yeah. That's a really good episode of The Simpsons. I haven't find seen the lo- it. What? I haven't seen most episodes of The Simpsons, unfortunately. I swear to God. I was more of a Futurama kid growing up. Wow. Wow. Um, I'm out. I'm out. I'm, t- I'm taking That's like The Simpsons the cousin. With me. Before we get into our topic because Nessie is a big one it's kind of close to my heart <laughs> yes she is <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of close to my heart it's kind of a, a a big part of my my childhood I think I first actually want to talk about today's promo so we have a promo for a podcast called Game Tale 5 Game Tale 5 is a really 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 well done video game podcast that is not boring so <laughs> many video game podcasts are really boring and kind of dry. This is great. It's um This one's wet as hail. <laughs> oh, weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny and it's presented by Steph and Nikki. Nikki uh, is a cosplayer and Steph is like a like a user interface designer. Oh neat. Just way cooler than anything we do. <laughs> <laughs> and um, they do top five lists. They do Ooh, I'm into those. Yeah, yeah, that's, it's a format that I don't usually see in a podcast, and they don't just talk about modern games, they talk about games, like, throughout the history of video games, and their breadth of knowledge and their passion for video games is so good to listen to. <laughs> One of my favorite episodes they did was Top 5 Game Boy Games, and I All like... five of them are just Pokemon games? No, they do, They just released an episode about Pokemon, though. Ooh. No, that one was great, because they talked about uh, DuckTales. Aww. The old Game Boy DuckTales game, and I, I really appreciated their opinions on it. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and listen to their promo, and we'll be right back. Hi, this is Steph and Nikki from Game Hill 5. We do top fives in video games. Each episode we cover a different topic in video games, and both make our own top five lists of our favourites. We've done top fives on horror games, moving games, PC games from the 90s. We also do top fives requested by our listeners, and loads more. Yeah, so if you like lists, video games, strange shopkeepers named Beedle, and not forgetting the occasional quiz battle, you can check us out where all good podcasts can be found. Yeah, so that's Game Till 5. The the laid-back, chilled nature of the promo very accurately reflects the chilled, Mm -hmm. laid-back nature of the podcast. Definitely give them a check. Give them a check. Give them a chickity check. Send them a check. Write a check. (laughs) Send it to them. Yeah. Yeah. I'm all in support of people sending podcasters money. Um, no, but <laughs> hint, go ahead. Hint, hint. <laughs> go ahead and check them out. Uh, they're really awesome. So, oh yeah. Also, um, we had spoken a couple of episodes back about how we wanted our promos to kind of line up with the episode. So uh, this one's a bit of a stretch because I actually found a really cool paranormal story on Reddit about a haunted arcade, and that was going to be the story. 
But it turns out it's not really much of a story. <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's almost no information about it. So we, we couldn't do that. Uh, I thought Nessie and it sounds a lot like NES, which is one of the best video game systems ever. So I thought Game Till 5 fit appropriately into this episode. Hold. <laughs> you made fun of my jokes. And you break your back with that stretch? <laughs> that what was... the hell? <laughs> yeah, I am. I'm going to be stretched out for a couple of days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was my corny joke for the entire episode. So enjoy. <laughs> Not mine. Uh, so Nessie is, man, that's like one of the big, like the top three cryptids. Yeah, mostly because um, it's Bella's daughter in Twilight. What? That's what they named their kid in Twilight is Nessie. That's kid. really stupid. I have only seen that clip from the Twilight <laughs> series, is that part. The whole series? Yeah. Well done, you. <laughs> uh, but no, I feel like when you're talking about cryptids, you know how like in, in comic books it's like Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman yeah. are the, the penultimate heroes. I feel like Nessie is one of those. Like And Bigfoot. And Bigfoot, yeah. That's at least where she kind of sits for me in the pantheon of cryptid gods. <laughs> okay, new drawing idea. Loch Ness Monster, but with the Wonder Woman outfit. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I need it. So do you remember how old you were when you first heard about the Loch Ness Monster? I don't know. Pretty young, I guess. Yeah. That's kind of where I'm at. I think I was... I was in elementary school. Yeah. Because I remember that we had the Scholastic Book Fair come to school. And it was one of the rare Scholastic Book Fairs where I actually had enough money to get <laughs> a book instead of just a racer. Must be nice. <laughs> And I got a book about, like, it was like sea monsters or something like that. But it was an older book. And it had a story about Nessie. And that was my first, um, she wasn't called a cryptid at the time. Mm -hmm. Because I don't know if that word was, like, in popular use back then. Yeah. But she was a, a lake monster. And it was a story just about the lake monster, you know, Nessie. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of my first real introduction to cryptids and to you know that kind of stuff and the book left me feeling i remember when i was a kid i thought like nessie was real yeah and we we know she exists we just haven't found her physically yet it's because we grew up with like the jersey devil and stuff so it's like obviously creatures are gonna exist creatures are in our world and mm -hmm. they're around not to mention the fact that she's pretty ubiquitous in a pop culture sense like mm -hmm. or a nessie like monster was in an episode of x files there's that movie, The Water Horse, yeah. about, you know, sort of a lake monster. So, it's I mean, it's a pretty... It's in the the, the front end of everyone's consciousness. Um, what would you call a Scottish sea monster who hangs people? Who hangs people? Yeah. I don't know. The Loch Noose Monster. <laughs> <laughs> That's so dark. <laughs> Start off on good foot, you know what I'm saying? They'll call her Noosey. <laughs> <gasps> oh, oh, like the, um... The guy who hangs people in Robin Hood Men in Tights. The Executioner? Ye yes. <laughs> but... I can't <kiss> her! <laughs> but Nessie. Yeah. Nussie. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. Uh -huh. Unfortunately, as I was doing my research for this topic, uh, I kind of went into this with this really weird, naive kind of perspective that I assumed that the Loch Ness Monster was not real, but that there was, like, something in the lake that yeah. maybe was unidentified. Like some, like, Lake Placid crap? Yeah, maybe. Uh, and the more I did my research, the more I started to realize that there isn't really anything in the lake at all. There's not even fish? Well, you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> and this had a very weird effect on me because... Nessie... Maybe that's why it took so long for you to do this, because you were just, like, <laughs> overcome with grief that it's I not really happening was. for you. This was a huge bummer, this research. <laughs> 
because I kind of found that th there isn't a Nessie. There isn't even really a whole lot of evidence to support a Nessie existence. And Nessie was a big part of, you know, my childhood. It was a, a monster that I was convinced was real because I hadn't heard of Bigfoot yet. I'd heard of Nessie first. And Bigfoot, I'd the only, you know, information I had was from like Harry and the Hendersons. So <laughs> that was, you know, he was a movie character. He wasn't a thing that I could encounter in my mind. I find it telling that you're more upset about the Loch Ness Monster not being real, as opposed to um, that theater where everyone died in. <laughs> <laughs> like, this had a more emotional drain than I, that real story. I have no explanation for that <laughs> at all. I think you're a sociopath. <laughs> but yeah, this was kind of a bummer to, to learn that there really isn't a whole lot of evidence to support the existence of Nessie. Mm -hmm. Spoiler alert. It was kind of like a part of the magic from my childhood kind of died a little bit. Oh my god. <laughs> because the whole existential thing for you this week. It really was, because Nessie was, you know, sort of a, a window into a wider, more mysterious world. And the more I was doing my research and really reflecting on what this concept, this story of Nessie meant to me, I realized that this is kind of where my journey into an interest in the paranormal and the bizarre started. I have something really bad to tell you about Santa. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I'm not ready for it. <laughs> so I figure what we'll do is we'll go into a little bit of the history of the Loch Ness Monster and the sightings. The, uh, I'm going to keep it not brief, but we're going to hit like the major sightings because there's thousands of them and I don't think that all of them are significant. Then we're going to talk a little bit about what people think the monster is. And what I mean is what people think it is in a fantastical sense. Ooh. And then what people think it is actually in the real world is yeah so how long do you think the Loch Ness Monster has sort of like been on the record on the books um I would say earlier but I know that it started with that picture 1940s okay a lot longer than that oh so the first time that the Loch Ness Monster so keep in mind Loch Ness is a massive lake it's uh, I think it's almost it's more than 30 miles long it's about a mile wide and it's around 700 feet at its deepest, so it's a really big body of water. Yeah, but then when Mr. Burns drained the lake, they found the Loch Ness Monster pretty easy. <laughs> that has actually been brought up. People have considered dredging the lake and maybe draining it a bit to try and locate the monster. Oh my god, humans. But, uh, yeah, obviously that's not going to happen. Now, there have been stories for, basically as long as there's been people telling stories, there have been stories of monsters in that lock. That's, that's always happened. But concerning Nessie, specifically, that starts in the year 565 AD. Uh, so in 565 AD, there was a guy, uh, St. Columba, who... <laughs> yeah, that's nice. a cool name. <laughs> He's famous for bringing Christianity to Scotland. Yeah. And the story has... It's a little bit mixed up on the details, because I found a bunch of different sources that the, the details of this story change kind of with every source, but... The main story is he was on the lock with, at the lock, with a bunch of his followers, and there had been stories of a monster in the lake attacking people, and some of them had been sort of lacerated by what looked like hooks, oh some God. of them had been bitten, uh, all kinds of craziness. So there was a boat moored on the other side of the lock, and he told one of his followers to swim over there and get it. Keep in mind, the lock is like a mile wide, so this was not... Like, hey, can you go get the boat? It was like, I need you to swim a mile away, <laughs> then row that mofo back here, pick <laughs> us up. So as he swims out, he's, he's you know, he's in the lock, 
and the monster begins to approach the swimmer. So St. Columba goes to the edge of the lock, he raises up his arms, and he says, quote, You will go no further. Do not touch the man. Turn back with all speed. And says that the creature went back and away from the man as, quote, though pulled by ropes. <laughs> so he zipped right out of there. <laughs> what? It's a really weird story. Yeah. Uh, I don't think any cryptid has a story where they encounter, like, a saint <laughs> who casts yeah. them out. You know, it's a really weird story. You know, I think the government has been covering up the existence of monsters for, like, centuries. Oh, man. The truth is kept under lock and key. <laughs> no. <laughs> so there are a few sightings here and there from that point forward. We're going to fast forward to the big sighting, which was on May 2nd, 1933. The Inverness Courier reported that a couple had seen, quote, an enormous creature rolling and plunging along the surface. So this was sort of like the first time in the modern era when people started to report seeing something in the lock. A little bit after that, uh, in the same year, sightings increased pretty steadily, especially after that one couple. They kind of kicked the whole thing off. Yeah. Then <laughs> the daily the sightings were, were accumulating more and more, and the mm -hmm. Daily Mail hired a big game hunter to try and find evidence of the monster. Hold on a tick. The Daily Mail again? Yeah. We should do like a whole episode on like things that they've investigated. Oh, yeah. The Daily Mail has been involved in a lot of weird cases. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, it's really do, interesting. Do you think it's like the government, like they made their own organization so they could investigate it? Like, oh, no, 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 it's nothing. Or trying to make it look silly so people don't believe it. Like over in the UK, they have the Bureau of Paranormal Research and Defense, but it's just called the Daily Mail. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. God, I hope that's true. Me too. So in true goofy fashion, uh, if this were the, the BPRD, what? <laughs> I'm kind of preparing myself for the way that you're going to react oh, to no. the big game hunter's name. <laughs> oh no, I'm ready. So this big game hunter that they, they hired to mm -hmm. find him was called Marmaduke Weatherall. Why? <laughs> 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 yeah, see, I knew this was going to happen. What? I completely forgot about it. Like, I wrote it down, and I'm reading the script that I wrote for the episode. And I saw it, and I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> wait, wait. Give it to me one more time. Marmaduke. Weatherall. <laughs> Why did we name our son after a Lord of the Rings character? We could have done this. <laughs> oh my and God. it's not just that his name is ridiculous. He it's plays... not just that. <laughs> it's not just that. He plays a massive role in the legacy of the Loch Ness Monster. Good job. Good on you, Marmaduke. <laughs> it's like, the story of the Loch Ness Monster is already really amazing and kind of fantastical. And it's just, I hate that halfway through we have to be like, anyway, here's this insane sounding name. Oh. What he had done is he had found footprints of the monster. And they were kind of a big deal. He took pictures of them. What kind of footprints did he have? Isn't it flippers? Well, they didn't know at the time. What What did he find? He found these footprints, and they said that they were of a large four-legged animal. And he reported this back to the Daily Mail, who ran this very dramatic headline, which was, Monster of Loch Ness is not legend, but a fact. Ooh. Yeah. And suffice oh, it to case say. case confirmed. Case closed. Case closed. 
Um, it became a pretty huge phenomenon, right? There was a circus in Scotland that was offering a £20,000 reward for capture of the beast. London newspapers were sending people to Scotland all the time to find more evidence. So he took a casting of the footprint. He sent it to a university to be identified. Now, that would be really exciting, if not for the rest of the story. Oh, come on, Marmaduke. The university said, not only is this not the footprint of the monster, it's the footprint of a hippopotamus. What? Because Marmaduke, who was a big <laughs> game hunter, had an umbrella stand made out of the foot of a hippopotamus. Marmaduke! And he faked the evidence. Marmaduke. He was pretty well disgraced after this, um, not just because it was obviously- Not because of his name. <laughs> not, because, <laughs> not just because it was fake, and you know he had obviously faked evidence, but he made the Daily Mail look silly because they ran this headline. The Daily Mail looks silly? The I know, hell crazy, you say? right? <laughs> and they trashed him. Like, they smeared him all up and down. You would think that that's where the story ends with him, but it's not. Not with Marmaduke. Not with Marmaduke. <laughs> um, so, in 1934, a photograph surfaced, which we now know today as the Surgeon's Photograph. And this is the famous picture of the Loch Ness Monster, the one that you were referring yeah. to in the beginning. A few funny things about this. One, the surgeon who took the photo, I'm really not sure why he's referred to as a surgeon. Oh, he's a stur surgeon that took the sturgeon. <laughs> no, he's a gynecologist. He's not a surgeon at all. Um, huh. I'm just not sure why. They I guess they wouldn't say gynecologist in a newspaper in the 30s. Because then we'd have to talk about female reproduction, and that's always been uncomfortable for people, I guess. So. Can you imagine the Daily Mail? So this pussy doctor. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. But he claimed that he was on vacation, and he took the photograph, and it went worldwide. He became incredibly famous for taking the picture, and it became the best evidence we had of the Loch Ness Monster. And since then, there have been other photographs that were taken. Uh, there was one famous one of a couple of humps in the water. And that's where that classic, my hump, my hump, my hump. really, <laughs> that's where that classic, you know, image of a sea monster with the humps out of the water. I mean, mm -hmm. that's been on maps forever, but that's why it became kind of solidified as a, a feature of the Loch Ness Monster. And the guy who took that photo, he admitted that it was actually bales of hay in the shallows that he had covered with some material and he faked it. I would be so afraid to fake something because like, <laughs> I don't have a great poker face. So they, uh, Lacey, did, uh, did you fake this picture? And I would just start weeping. You actually bring up a really good point. That, that I weep a lot. <laughs> if you fake something, mm -hmm. it would be kind of hard to lie about that for a long time. To say, oh no, I took the picture of this thing and that's that. It would probably be easier to lie about that if you were involved less. If you were involved, Loch Ness. <laughs> and that's what happened with this photograph in 1994. A gentleman by the name of Christian Sperling was on his deathbed, and he made this insane, like, deathbed confession, which was that in the 30s, his stepfather, Marmaduke Weatherall, came to him and said, if they want a monster, I'll give them a monster. And he had his stepson, Christian, create the monster out of an old toy sub, or a little toy submarine and a little plastic thing, and he basically constructed what is in the photograph, the surgeon's photograph. He, he constructed that whole thing. Oh. Marmaduke took the picture and then went to his friend, who was a surgeon, and said, would you, I'm going to send this to the paper, can you say that you took the picture? Because no one would believe he took it. 
And his surgeon friend, who was kind of a prankster, was like, yeah, totally, that'll be awesome. And then he just went with it. So because he wasn't involved in the hoaxing, he didn't take the picture, all he had to do was say he took it. He wasn't really involved. I think it was a lot easier for him to lie for as long as he did. Oh man, I need like like a biopic on this Marmaduke man. I love that he's a big game hunter and he fakes this evidence and then he's exposed and slandered and libeled and his, his reputation is destroyed and to get revenge... He creates... For his fuckery. For his... Yeah, for faking it. He creates one of the most enduring pieces of evidence for the monster ever. That's wild. Yeah, and for 60 years, this was the evidence for the Loch Ness Monster's existence. And lots of people had come forward with theories that debunked it before 1994. Mm -hmm. But because we couldn't really prove that it was fake. Yeah. it, It endured for so long. Now, here's the great thing about this, and this is sort of this thing about human belief in the fantastic and the strange that I think we've seen in many episodes that we've done, is even after uh, Christian Sperling admitted that he'd faked it in 1994, it did absolutely nothing to dampen (laughs) people's enthusiasm that the monster exists. People I think it's just fun to believe in stuff. Like, I don't know that anyone believes believes, Mm -hmm. but like, it's fun. No, 100%. That's part of the reason that I was kind of bummed when I was learning the history of this thing. Because I was like, oh, I didn't think it was real, but I didn't think it was this fake. (laughs) (laughs) I was kind of hoping that there was something there. Now, there is a, uh, there's a group called like Project Loch Ness, uh, or the Loch Ness Project, I can't actually remember. But it's an organization in Scotland that they document everything about the loch. Not just, you know, the, the mythology and the folklore, but everything. Um, all the biological things about the lake, topological things, like everything. Yeah. And there's a guy, uh, Dr. Shine, who is a part of that group. He's been in lots of documentaries um, regarding Loch Ness. He has a really great um, role in an episode of Monster Quest. You would say that he, like, is taking a shine to the loch. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I like that. (laughs) Uh, I think you would like him, too. He looks like a wizard. Like, Ooh, I love those guys. He has, like, a giant beard, and he can talk very intelligently about the lock. And and he mentions this, too, that even though there's lots of evidence debunking the existence of the monster, people still believe. It has absolutely no effect on people's belief in it whatsoever uh, for things to be debunked. And he had talked about a photograph that had come around back in the 70s of these three humps in the water near a castle that's on the the edge of the lock. It was one of these pictures that we couldn't figure out, you know, what is it? What is Mm -hmm. this thing? And it's black and white, it's grainy. And uh, this organization that studies the lock, they had a guy take a photograph and he, or that photograph, and he drew lines along the humps to a disappearing point off the picture. And then some other lines that he could vaguely see in the photograph. And what he realized is all of those lines connected at the same vanishing point which meant that they were waves left over by a vote that had gone out of frame oh and this brings me to sort of the because a lot of the sightings have been kind of chalked up to it's a boat going by yeah (laughs) this is going to bring me to what do people actually think they're seeing because people are seeing something in the lock Mm -hmm. Uh, i mean hundreds and hundreds of years people have been reporting stuff in there We're going to talk a little bit about what do people actually think it is. Mm -hmm. What do you think, if the Loch Ness Monster was real, what do you think it would be? Uh, It's always a goddamn sturgeon. I'm so sick of sturgeons. They're ruining all the fun beliefs. I don't Like, no, Bigfoot is going to end up being a fucking sturgeon, I'm telling you right now. (laughs) A sturgeon walking around the Pacific Northwest. 
I don't actually know why people are so down on the sturgeon thing, because sturgeons are monsters. Like, they're huge but beasts. But they're not the ones we want. I, I love that, that nature provided us with a real lake monster, and we're like, no, that one's boring. <laughs> we want the one from our imagination. It just looks like a big scary fish. It is. A, that's what a lake monster is. I want, like, a big, like, dinosaur-looking scary fish. I don't know if you've seen a sturgeon, now that you're no, saying this. No, it's not, like... Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm being told that we have our senior Loch Ness Monster correspondent, Lily, live on the scene. I read in my dinosaur book that Loch Ness Monster picture is fake, so it's fake. Also, why was the Loch Ness Monster so surprised when she got a love letter from her crush? She thought he didn't even know she existed. <laughs> Back to you, Dad. Thanks, Lily. Uh, be sure to keep us updated on any more Loch Ness-related information. So, there's a few things that people think it could be. The first and the most popular is that it is a surviving plesiosaur. Which is why you were saying, doesn't it have flippers? Because your popular image is probably that long neck with the yeah. four flippers. There's that a one lot looks of... cute. Yeah, I think they're really cute. I like I like the idea of it being a plesiosaur. It's not, though. And there's a wow. few reasons why it can't be a plesiosaur. Okay, let's listen. So, one, the plesiosaur was a marine reptile that lived 65 million years ago. Mm -hmm. Being that it's a marine reptile, it would be very unusual for it to be in a freshwater lake. Now, the lock was at one point connected to the ocean, but they don't feel that it was connected long enough for something like that to migrate into the lock. Well, what about... Um... In Jersey, like 10 years ago, they had that shark that went into the lakes. He survived. Well, part of that is that sharks sometimes will go into freshwater tributaries to uh, clean out their endocrine systems. So, like, you're talking about, like, the Madawan man-eater? Yeah. That was, like, in the 60s. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there was one, like, 10 years ago, but I'm definitely wrong. I think it was even earlier than the 60s. It was a really long time ago. But that one was, he just got kind of stuck in a freshwater environment oh. uh, and they can live in there for a really long time not a thousand years yeah oh. which is kind of what we're looking at i mean this is more than a thousand years this is you know millions of years uh so it's not really something that would have been possible as far as like oceanic creepies go like i would leave anything is under the water totally like there could be anything i would believe in yeah now if we were seeing a plesiosaur out in the ocean i would be a lot more you know yeah that's fair able to believe that yeah so there's a few other things just about plesiosaurs themselves that make it so there's no way that it's a plesiosaur there's no pleasing him <laughs> <laughs> one is they're aquatic reptiles which means they don't have gills they breathe air and so uh -huh. they have to come up to the surface occasionally to breathe air now for the lock being as big as it is biologists believe that in order for there to be a healthy population of plesiosaurs to survive from prehistoric times to now you would need to have an absolute minimum of 40 individuals with a maximum of 300. So with that many animals going to the surface and breathing every few hours, you could go to the locket any day and you would see several of them. Maybe they get a piece of bamboo like in the animated Robin Hood <laughs> and they just breathe out of it so people can't see them. They're just trying to keep the tourism alive. Yeah. Like, well, no, if we're exposed, we'll get captured. And... Well, it'll get boring like in um, Jurassic Park. Yeah, in uh, Jurassic get... World, yeah. Yes, 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 Where they're, yes. like, on their phone and there's a yeah. mosasaur behind them. Yeah, exactly. I totally believe that. Another reason is in the most famous picture, the surgeon's photo of the Loch Ness Monster, the head is up out of the water and it kind of has, like, a little bit of a bend to it. And plesiosaurs couldn't do that. 
Um, their head basically was jutted way out in front of their bodies. They couldn't stick their heads up out of the water like that because the neck just wasn't strong enough. Wow, that makes it way more scary in my mind. Because the little neck up is like, oh, he wants like pets. The straight out thing, I don't like it. Yeah, it's like a snake with a whale at the end of it. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> um, the One of the final pieces of information, which I was blown away when I learned, is uh, Dr. Shine actually is the one that kind of came up with this is in order to discover whether or not an animal as large as a plesiosaur could even live in the lock you have to first look at the water microscopically um, so what they've discovered is that you lose visibility in the lock past nine feet so nine feet down there's not enough sunlight to see which means there's not really enough sunlight for most forms of algae there are algae that grow in low light conditions, but with the warmth of the water, there's only a few species that could live in there. So there's just not a lot of algae in the lock. There is a lot of silt and a lot of, like, it's very murky water, obviously, mm -hmm. um, but not a lot of algae, which means not a lot of algae, not a lot of zooplankton. Uh, not a lot of zooplankton means not a lot of food for smaller fish, which means not a lot of food for bigger fish and bigger fish and bigger fish until you eventually get to a plesiosaur. So because the water at a microscopic level doesn't really have the ingredients to sustain small forms of life, mm -hmm. it's not going to have the ingredients to sustain larger and larger forms of life. Oh, that's boring. Yeah, that's a I like that they just grabbed a jar of water and were like, you know, after a few days of analysis, they're like, yeah, there's no Loctus monster. <laughs> I would have been like, really from that jar? Like, <laughs> I mean, fair enough, but like, he's not in the jar, right? Like, <laughs> So, the plesiosaur theory is totally blown out of the water. <laughs> ah! I like that it is now, because it's not as cute in my head, so I'm glad that it's not sitting in there. Yeah, they're, they're definitely not cuddly. <laughs> the other thing that people think it could be is actually just a large sea serpent. Ooh, I hate that! <laughs> yeah, that one's way worse. That's like the luckless monster. <laughs> <gasps> ah. Uh, but it's the same thing. Uh, any kind of sea serpent would be marine, not freshwater. Uh, so you run into all the same problems with it getting into the lock in the first place. Mm -hmm. Now, there is an argument for marine animals to get into the lock. There's definitely a possibility for that to happen. Because they have found marine seashells in the lock. And they know that during the Ice Age, there was a point in time when there was like kind of a deluge of seawater into the lock. Mm -hmm. But it's just... It, it would have happened in a very, very short amount of time, and it just wouldn't have been enough time for some animals to find their <laughs> way in there and start up a population. But again, water is scary. Like, the depths of water freak me out. And it, like I said, anything could live in there. I believe anything. Yeah, I'm not going to say that there aren't plesiosaurs out in the ocean somewhere, but they're definitely, they didn't make their way into the lock on that one sloshy Wednesday back in the Ice Age. I could believe it 100%. <laughs> I don't want to because it's scary, but like, I'm not swimming in the lock, you know? No, no doubt. And the last thing that people believe it could be is a mutated seal <laughs> or eel. <laughs> Ooh, I hate that. I mean, no, I love and hate that. Because that means there's something new and interesting and like right. wild, but also like the image of that makes my stomach go into my butthole. So... <laughs> Well, that's kind of what I was thinking is when I was going into this was like, oh, I bet it's like something we've just never seen before. Not a cryptid necessarily, but alternate form of something we already have. I imagine it's like in that movie Evolution where they have those <laughs> creepy ass monkeys. Oh, like maybe something. <laughs> yeah, maybe something got left in there. No, thank you. We've seen this with uh, in Florida. There was a, uh, a lake monster in Florida mm -hmm. and video surfaced of it. 
and it was like you could see flippers like you could see it was big but agile and you could see its head in one of its eyes and people were like what could this be and a bunch of marine biologists reviewed the tape and one said it was a manatee because they're native to the area it's not unusual for them to be in that area um, it wasn't a lake it was like a bay i think and another biologist said well based on the head shape it can't be a manatee and it turned out it was just like a kind of sea lion that's not native to the area and just sort of got lost <laughs> and was hanging out there for like 20 years so, and so it's like that's super rad like it's not a monster but that's really cool yeah i kind of thought something like that was going to happen with nessie mm-hmm. it did not I don't think we have to really go into why there's not mutated seals. Uh, I think it's just no. <laughs> like, just no. Here are some of the possible explanations for Nessie. Okay. Otters. <laughs> I find that theory to be utterly unbelievable. <laughs> I've been holding on that joke since when you posted the picture of the otters. Yeah. It's not a good one, but I like it. Uh, well, and as uh, most people might know, is that's your favorite animal. Oh, God, I love them so much. Their little hands. Yeah. Oh, my God, I love them. But there are otters in the lock. What? Yep. And they have been seen lots by people. That's what a lot of people think is being seen, is just lots of otters flopping around in the water. Oh, that's even better than the Loch Ness Monster. Yeah, I don't know that I would be disappointed. Like, I would go, oh my god, I think it's the Loch Ness Monster. No, it's just a bunch of otters. Oh, sweet. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'd still be excited. Yeah. And this one, I, I definitely buy, because yeah. otters outside the water and otters in the water look really different. And in the water, otters do look a little more sleek and kind of serpent-like. So Mm -hmm. I could see them being misidentified. You mean angelic? (laughs) The other one we've actually already talked about is ripples in the water left behind by boats. Mm -hmm. The crazy thing about this is because the lock is so big, those ripples actually can last a really long time, well after the boat is gone. And so it can appear as though there's just something moving in the water. We experienced that growing up when we lived on the bay. Uh Every time the ferry would go by, it would like completely hit us and it would just keep going for a long time yeah and they can move against the current which makes it even more look like something is swimming in the water yeah so that one i 100 percent believe that a lot of these not to mention the fact that there have been photographs of the monster that turned out to just be ripples and there's videos of of the monster that it's just ripples in the water like this um i'm saying ripples that's not the right word you know what i mean those those waves that come off of a boat when it goes by. <laughs> I love when you can't find a word for something. It feeds my soul in a way that <laughs> it's I can't been a describe. Long day. <laughs> <laughs> Some people have said that it's probably just debris in the water. And this has been proven actually on multiple occasions. The Dr. Shine actually found a log, dumped it in the water, and uh, anchored it and just observed people's reactions to it. And sure enough, a lot of people were like, yeah, there's something out in the water swimming around. And there wasn't. It was just a log in the water. Shine's a savage, man. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, he's doing the Lord's work here. Like, he's going in and... And the Lord said, <laughs> let Loch Ness Monster be... Well, he said, no, I didn't put a Loch Ness Monster in the <laughs> lock. Well, I mean, he really is going out and challenging people's belief in, them, in themselves. Mm-hmm. Because people are like, no, I know what I saw. And he's challenging that. Because a big part of the monster, unfortunately, is just in our imagination. Especially when you go to Loch Ness, you're primed. You're ready to see a monster. And really, the monsters are inside of all of us. (laughs) It's inside our imaginations. In Fantasia. (laughs) A couple of the other ones that I think are really interesting uh, explanations for what it could be 
is that the lock actually sits along the Great Glen fault line. So there's seismic activity beneath the lock that causes disruptions in the water. And sometimes I've seen video where like it creates almost like bubbles, mm-hmm. like these big like blue kind of, you know, things at the surface that almost if you especially if you're not, you know, if you if you just kind of see it real quickly, it does look like something has flopped up out of the water real fast. That's another explanation. There's not a ton of evidence for this one. Honestly, if if people for hundreds of years are claiming to see a monster in the lake, anything that could disturb the water and is not a monster is to me a candidate. Yeah. And the last one is called Seiches. And a Seish is basically an oscillation in the wall. I don't know if I'm saying that right. I've only ever read the word. I've never heard it out loud. (laughs) Uh, It's oscillations in the water that are caused by cold river water flowing into and mixing with the warmer lock water. So it kind of creates these weird, you know, disturbances in the water. Yeah. And they don't look like they have any kind of origin because you can't see the water mixing, you know. Uh, so what do you think about some of these explanations? I mean, I think they could all work. I mean, I want it to be otters because then <laughs> I could swim with them and they'll be my friend and we could prance. Um, <laughs> all of them sound good. All of them sound legit. Or like not even one of them works. I mean, all of them could be collectively what's going on. And that's kind of the, the general consensus is that it's a lot of things working in concert to create the monster, as it were. Yeah. Or it's what the government wants you to think. And there really is a Loch Ness monster in there, but it's a genetic experiment. And they just threw it into the lock because they're like, oh, no one's going to go in there. And now they're just trying to feed us this bullshit. Oh, wait, you know what? That is actually on my list of what people think it might be. I forgot to read that one. I'm sorry. Are you legit? No. Oh. <laughs> so what you're saying is that Lacey specifically cracked the code again. Yeah, I mean, we're we solving all kinds of mysteries on this oh, show. Oh, man. I think one of the reasons that the Loch Ness Monster story endures despite evidence that it doesn't exist is not just because people want to believe. It's rad. It's cool. And it it's a way of interacting with the world at large. Uh, I don't know about you, but like one of the depressing things about life in 2020 is that... Everything? <laughs> well, is that a lot of things have already been discovered. Like the the world is mapped in such a heavy and intensive way that... It doesn't leave a whole lot of mysterious unknowns anymore. And the Loch Ness Monster, in a way, kind of represents that. The sort of unknowable depths of the Loch is another thing that uh, I think, rather than make us feel like we're separate from nature, it makes me feel like we're more of a part of it because we don't fully understand it. That's what 2020 really needs. We need we need a win. We're taking so many L's this year. <laughs> like, just give us a Loch Ness Monster. Or just give me specifically otters. Like, let this all just... Loch Ness Otters. <laughs> <laughs> like, let September be the month, yeah. you know? <laughs> Puts me in mind of, uh, we watched a documentary about Bigfoot a while back, and there was a guy that, he lived in the Pacific Northwest, and he was, like, part of a group of people that are, like, looking for it, and they asked him, like, what would you do if you had a chance to find it and catch it? And he had this, like, weird epiphany where he realized, like, if he was in a position where he could capture it, he wouldn't. Because he kind of didn't want it to be captured. He wanted it to remain unknown and mysterious. Yeah. And a part of the greater, wider, unknown world. That maybe we don't need to know everything about everything. And I was like, that is so profound for someone who searches for Bigfoot. To be like, maybe I don't want to find it. <laughs> Here's the thing. I love that sentiment. I respect it 100%. But if you don't think that I'm going to get a cartoon-sized net and capture Bigfoot, <laughs> you're insane. I'll die doing it, and I'll die happy. 
There is an episode of The X-Files where they're investigating the Ogopogo, and they find that there are people faking footprints, and they find all this stuff that kind of indicates it's not real. But there's people being eaten and stuff. You know, parts of their bodies are floating up. And... Jesus. Yeah, and it's, it, that's why they're down there. And at the end of it, they're out staring at Lake Ogopogo, and they're just kind of talking about the nature of the unknown, the nature of the undiscovered, and how maybe they're never going to know. And maybe it doesn't matter if it's real. And they turn away from the water and they go back to their car. And in the moonlight, you see the Ogopogo pop up out of the water a couple of times and then swim away. Aww. So it's real. And they just didn't get to see it. And in their minds, they never get to know. And that's sort of what I've decided to do with the Loch Ness Monster. Is like, I don't care if it's real. I'm going to let it occupy this part of my imagination. <laughs> because it belongs there. Yeah. It, it's more than just a cryptid. You know, until they drain the lake, we don't know 100%. <laughs> and I please feel like... Please don't drain it. <laughs> yeah, please don't drain the lake. There are animals in there. <laughs> don't hurt my otters. And I realize that this might sound a little uh, hypocritical, given when we talked about the paranormal home inspectors, how there are people that choose to believe the ghost story rather than what the home inspector tells them is in the house. I think there's a difference, though. Yeah. Like, we know it's not, but, like, we have fun believing it. Like, they... Mm believe despite it's like you know. believing that picking up a penny is good luck like yeah it's a thing that you believe it's an inner truth that harms no one and enriches your life yeah and i think belief in the i mean there are groups of people out on the lock with boats and sonar and like dedicating whole weekends to trying to find something that might not be real we dedicated our whole weekend to eating fast food and watching <laughs> 90 day fiance i think they might be doing better than us well, and that's what I say. I wasn't gonna. I wasn't. I wasn't. Uh, you know, ragging on him. Like it's just that is a part of being a human being that is so essential mm -hmm. that it might seem ridiculous to be out there with all this time and energy and equipment and resources looking for the Loch Ness monster. But I think that looking for something like that and maybe not necessarily with the goal of finding it is a part of like experiencing being alive <laughs> yeah i bet they someday they'll probably find something like water is pretty undiscovered is that the word well it's pretty unexplored there the we lock go is very well explored the problem is is that it's so murky it's hard to see every part of it and they have found some pretty intriguing evidence uh with sonar uh where they found some shapes in the water that um i'm gonna kind of uh chalk up to uh pareidolia like it looks like the Loch Ness Monster, but mm -hmm. it looks like what we think the Loch Ness Monster looks like. Yeah. And they haven't really been able to say what it is, but the fact that you see, you know, you get this little, little tiny little peak where there's something in the water that they can't explain, and it mm -hmm. looks a little bit like what we think it's supposed to look like, that keeps people going for generations. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think about the Loch Ness Monster? I think it's a cool story. Um, I like that people are into it. It makes people happy. If I find, found out, like, 100% that Bigfoot wasn't real, it'd probably break me as a person. So, like, I get people wanting <laughs> to continue to believe in Loch Ness. Yeah, I... Like, I get it. I'm with you there. Uh, Bigfoot is real. And I will absolutely never accept that Bigfoot is not real. <laughs> yeah. Part of the motivation for me wanting to do this episode about the Loch Ness Monster, because this is a well-documented story. It's very, very famous, obviously. Lots of podcasts have done this story. I listened to a couple of them while I was doing my research, and I realized they were all telling basically the same story. I'm okay with that. 
I'm okay mm-hmm. with also kind of telling the same story because that's what this is, and you had it right. It's, it's a story. Part of my motivation, though, for wanting to do this is that one of the things I was always concerned about from the onset with this podcast was being worried that people would think that we were making fun of the paranormal. Mm-hmm. Now, while we do laugh at the expense of psychics and some paranormal claims, I accept that the belief in these things is an important part of being a human being. Mm -hmm. It enriches our lives, it keeps our imaginations alive, and honestly, even if you don't really think you're ever going to find a ghost in a haunted house, or an ape man, Mm -hmm. or a dog man, or the frog man... (laughs) Who is real. Who is definitely real. And an iguana. Uh, <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> even if you don't ever think you're really going to find them, still searching for it, I think, is absolutely valid. And that's all that we're really doing is, like, I just have higher standards of, like, I don't want to be tricked. I don't want to be, you know, uh, bamboozled. Like, mm-hmm. if I'm going to say, hey, we found it. Like, I want to be sure. Yeah. That's what I wanted to talk about this story for specifically is because there are so many people that... I don't think really believe that the Loch Ness Monster is real, Mm -hmm. but they still believe in the Loch Ness Monster. Yeah. That makes it really special, and really, searching for the Loch Ness Monster is like the spirit of what this show is supposed to be about. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know what? I don't believe it, but wouldn't that be rad? (laughs) Yeah, that's how I go into everything. Like, yeah, I don't buy it, but like, oh man, it'd be so sweet. (laughs) What if? Yeah. That's that's the motivating factor behind all of this for me. I wanted to give a little shout out. It's a little shout out to Susan if you're in your car. I just want to tell you that I love you and I think you're amazing. That's really sweet. Thanks. If you like this episode, you can follow us on Twitter at Harley Paranormy with a Y. Um, you can follow us on Instagram at Harley Paranormal. That's where I'm the most active. Uh, that's also an overstatement. I'm not as active right now, but, <laughs> but I'm, I'm trying. Um, you can also like and join our Facebook group, Harley Paranormal, where Lacey is the most active. Hello. <laughs> uh, you can also subscribe to us on Spotify. You can subscribe to us on CastBox. Uh, you can give us likes. Please go ahead and give us a review on Apple Podcasts or CastBox because that really does help more ears find our show. Uh, more awesome listeners like you. <laughs> Hopefully the Loch Ness listens and comes and leaves us a review. Yeah, also, if you know of like a way to like go chuck a radio playing our <laughs> podcast into the lake, I would really appreciate that. Um, I'm sure they would. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you have any questions or comments or you want to send us suggestions for future episodes or if you want to send us suggestions for future reviews, because we also do our spooky reviews uh, once a week usually mm-hmm. uh, well we got a two for this week we did we put two, two for out the price this week. Of one the paranormal home inspectors and portals to hell so I- like if you want to hear me get like stupid angry <laughs> listen listen one of those has me going on a tirade <laughs> yeah it's a good one <laughs> uh but you can email us at harleyparanormal at gmail.com uh, you can also just contact us on facebook and instagram we we love chatting with people and most yeah. of our uh our suggestions come through Instagram and Facebook anyway. Yeah. So I've been Jerry. What car does oh a Loch Ness Monster drive? What car does the Loch Ness Monster drive? <laughs> a Ford F Tree Fitty. If you didn't think I was gonna make one tree fitty joke this whole episode, you're insane. <laughs> also I'm lazy. <laughs> and remember, it's probably just the wind. Or an otter.